Well, welcome to Willow Park Church uh, this wonderful Sunday morning when we are celebrating the goodness of God and all that God has done. Now, I'm reminded of the psalmist who speaks about the fact that give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his love endures forever. And that psalm just continues to go on declaring God's wonder at his creation. God's wonder at the way that he brought the earth together. God's wonder at how he, he put the mighty lights in the sky and the sun and the moon to govern the day and to govern the night. Because his love endures forever. And how he rescued Israel from the Egyptians. His love endures forever. And split the Red Sea. His love endures forever. And led them through the wilderness. And caused them to be victorious. His love endures forever. And maybe you're watching this for the first time. Or maybe you're not really in faith. Or you're checking it out. I want to tell you that as Christians, we believe in a God whose love is real. A God who cares about all of us. A God that is in control. A God that is faithful. A God that you can trust and lean on. And that he's always with you. A God that is sovereign. The sovereign Lord. And his kingdom, an invisible kingdom, but a kingdom of God's love that will last forever from generation to generation. And when you discover faith and you discover Jesus, that's what happens. You step into that relationship with God where you know that his love and that is that it all comes through the work of the cross. It comes through acknowledging that Christ paid the ultimate price upon the cross to give us life, to give us purpose, to give us a direction. It is truly wonderful. So I want to encourage you as you join this morning to prepare your heart, to listen to the voice of the Spirit. After the worship, we will be taking communion together. And as we take communion, it may be an opportunity for you, yes, to surrender your life to follow Jesus Christ. To make that change that you need to make in 2021. Or maybe you've logged on and you've been wandering in your faith. And after the worship and we come to communion, maybe that's a time for you to get right with God completely. And as you get right with God and God comes close to you, that he will be with you. That he will guide you. That he will lead you. It's wonderful. So as we begin our service, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love and we thank you for the love of God that sent Jesus. And as we step in to today's service, we pray that you will bless, that you will encourage, that you will be with us and draw us Close to yourself, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Aren't you glad that Jesus is the Lord over all the nations? Particularly when we experience the news that we have about what has been taking place. 
and what we saw in America, it, it, it affects you. You start to wonder. It's a little disconcerting. We understand and it's, it's shocking to see. But as we are studying Daniel, we know that there is one God who is in control over all the nations. That helps me. And as we worship now, step into it and let the Lord comfort you at this time. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Zoe, and it is such a joy to be leading you today in worship. And um, I'm so thankful that we still get to gather together, uh, regardless of how our world is right now. So uh, I'm going to pray and invite Jesus to be with us, and um, yeah, we can worship together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your presence is still tangible and real and with us, regardless of how our world looks right now. Um, that despite the fear and the confusion, um, that we can still come to you and uh, know that we are comforted and looked after. Um, what a joy and what a gift. Um, we love you and I pray that you are pleased with our worship this morning. Take my place That you bear my 
You. 
beautiful truth that in my weakness your strength comes out of me that when we feel like we are not enough in this cruel and broken world it doesn't matter because you've given us what we need you are in us father i pray that the message today would um be said with the right words father that it would come from you and not from who's speaking it um that people would have open hearts and open ears to hear what you have to say to them this morning. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks for leading us. We're really grateful. And to be able to sit in the presence of the Lord. And we're going to pause now. And it's my, it really is my favorite time as we travel through these online services to pause and to take communion. So hopefully you've got your bread and your wine or juice and you're sat there ready. So let's pray together. Can I encourage you now to just give your whole life over to Christ? Examine yourself, surrender the past week, surrender your fears, your anxieties, your worries. He went all the way to the cross so that we needn't be anxious of anything. That God is with us. And the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this moment... Take a moment to remember the cross, to remember Christ's journey, to remember the sacrifice, and remember that he was broken so that we may be healed. The body of Christ broken for you. We thank you, Lord, for the bread. Thank you that you are the bread of life. And we thank you that you paid the price for our sins. In like manner, or in the same way, he picked up the wine on that table. And as his friends were there, his disciples were gathered. He poured it out in that cup. And he said, this is my blood. Which is shed for you. Takes away the sins of the world. And so we're reminded that we are, as human beings, a failed project. We are broken. We are in need of forgiveness, and we're in need of hope. But I am redeemed. I am purchased back. I am made whole. I am forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the blood that was shed for us upon the cross. 
and its power to change my heart and to bring me into salvation. The blood of Christ. It's so good to take that moment and to hand everything over to Christ and ask him to come to us and minister to us. Amen. Well, we are going to uh, watch Willow One News right now. So you can catch up on all the exciting things that are happening. So much good stuff taking place. I am absolutely thrilled at our church, at the momentum, as we step into 21 days of prayer, as we believe God, it's very exciting. And this is like a time for us to pray, isn't it? Willow One News. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Today is the first day of 21 days of prayer. This is an opportunity for us individually and as a church family to seek God intentionally in the new year. There are a few ways you can get involved. First, you can sign up for our daily prayer devotional emails. Second, join us for an online prayer gathering. We will have one every morning at 7 a.m. and every evening at 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday. You can also submit your prayer request to us on our website so we can pray for you. Learn more about all of these things at willowparkchurch.com 21 days. The Marriage Course is a series of seven sessions designed to help married couples invest in their relationship and build a strong marriage. It's coming to Willow Park Church at the end of January. The course will be hosted by some of our own pastors and leaders, and each session is like a date night for you and your spouse. If you're interested in learning more, please sign up on our website at willowparkchurch.com marriage. We have some new groups starting this week. Deeper is a Bible study for women, and it happens online every Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Gather is another group for women that meets online every Thursday morning from 9.30 to 11 a.m. We are also starting a new divorce care support group, which runs for 13 weeks, and they meet Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. in the Fireside Room at Willow Park Church at 33. For more information on all of these, visit our website at willowparkchurch.com events. We are so thankful for all of you that joined us over the Christmas season, and we wanted to share a little video of our Christmas Eve drive-in services. Take a look. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, what amazing images from our Christmas Eve services. That little film is so, it's so gorgeous. It's just so wonderful to see so many people come in 
to our church. I think we had something in the region where I've been told between uh, 1,500 and 2,000 people attended our drive-in gatherings. That is remarkable. I was really excited uh, for other reasons. I was really excited because of the amount of volunteers, because of the way that our church stepped up and went for it and the way that you volunteered and you were willing to come, you were willing to sing, you were willing to get involved. And I think that is so beautiful. As Courtney spoke about 21 days of prayer, we've started today. So what are you doing? What three things are you concentrating on? What is the Lord guiding you with? How are you stepping into a deeper relationship with the Lord in 2021? I think the truth is, as we see what unfolded on Wednesday, we understand that actually the call of the people of God is to pray for a global revival and that God will move. That rather than storming government buildings, we need to storm the very throne of heaven with our prayers and believe that hearts will be moved towards God. And this is a time where we need to step in, not step out. This is a time where it's not about maintenance of the church, it's about mission of the church. And on that theme, I just want to say how amazing it is as one of our outreaches is Marriage Alpha. And so far, what well, the less reports I had was that we have 100 couples showing interest and in signing up for Marriage Alpha. This is fantastic. This is remarkable. This is a great opportunity for us as a church to reach out, invite our friends. I know that Michelle and I are looking forward to leading the Marriage Alpha here in Rutland and here at Highway 33. I know that Glenn and Sarah are looking forward to that. Uh, Lyndon and Laura Thompson are looking for, forward to that. All of our pastors and their spouses are engaging in Marriage Alpha to help people connect with God. I'm, I'm really excited about that. We've got a couple of weeks to go yet before Marriage Alpha starts. And already, if we've got a hundred uh, couples showing that kind of interest, then I wouldn't doubt that we would see 150 or 200. I don't know. Of course, I am the ultimate optimist in this. And anything that uh, lifts up the name of Jesus, equips the church, makes a difference, is, um, is really important. So as we begin 21 days of prayer, remember, we'll be there 7 a.m. Monday morning through to Saturday. We will be there doing a devotional, praying online. And you can join in Facebook, you can join on our website, and you can join through YouTube. And already now, something that is new is that you can watch these services through YouTube and be able to look at the material and connect with us. So subscribe to YouTube and join with us. We are stepping into the book of Daniel. And last week, I spoke about the great themes of Daniel. The great themes of Daniel were as follows, that God calls his people through difficult times to be faithful to him. Awesome. We are called to be faithful to the Lord. Secondly, is that we need a different heavenly perspective. 
The perspective of what God is doing. The perspective of the way that God is working. Thirdly, we can trust God even though the world seems to be crazy. Is the story of Daniel teaches us in those beautiful motifs of stories and illustrations and dreams and remarkable events. It teaches us about trusting God because God is sovereign and although there are kingdoms of the world ruling the world, the ultimate kingdom is the kingdom of God at work. And it's a kingdom that will last from everlasting to everlasting. And these are the great themes of Daniel. And chapter 1 captures this. And chapter 1, sort of as we approach the first six chapters, which are called the historical chapters, they they describe events. 7 to 12, uh, those chapters are more highly spiritualized with dreams and prophecies, talking about end times, talking about eschatology. And I'm looking forward to getting into all of Daniel and each of the details as we move forward. But chapter one really sets the scene for the story. Now, each of the six first chapters, they tell stories They illustrate truths of the way that God works. You see, in each of the six chapters, you have a problem that Daniel has to navigate. You have the wisdom of God involved in that problem and you have a rescue or a deliverance that takes place. It always works on that pattern that there is a problem, a difficulty, whether it's a persecution, whether it is the king declaring something, whether it is a dream, it is a problem. It is how God solves that problem and it is how God rescues Daniel and his friends from that problem. Sometimes when I think about that, it reminds me of our own lives. How are we going to get through? How are we going to move forward? How are we going to cope with the problems of life? I have a problem, but what is God's plan to solve that problem? And you this morning might have a problem, a problem with somebody in your life, a problem with a difficulty at work, a problem with, with finances, a problem with relationships and difficulties we have a problem and when you bring that problem to God God will be with you and he will help you through that problem to rescue you and to bring you through it and I love the message of Daniel because it gives us hope that God is with us and that we can overcome the problem now if you've got your Bibles open your Bibles and look at the first chapter of Daniel because we're going to attempt to fly through the first chapter of Daniel and understand the themes around this first chapter. The first chapter is broken into five distinct sections. First of all, there is a section that talks about Jehoiakim being taken to Babylon. And this is the moment when Jerusalem comes under the control of the Babylonian Empire. Secondly, the second part of this chapter deals with the training and equipping of Daniel and his friends and understand the process that they travel through and they go through. The kind of um, assimilation that takes place. Thirdly, it deals with Daniel's choice and his friends not to defile themselves in the journey. 
Fourthly, we see towards the end of the chapter how God honours them and they are lifted up and they are successful. And finally, that beautiful verse of of chapter 1, verse 21, when we hear that Daniel was in the service of the kings until Cyrus. So what do these five sections show us? And you can see them, and we'll go through them. Well, first of all, these five sections show us, and ending up with, with verse 21, talking about the rule of Cyrus, the, uh, the king of Persia, who takes over the Babylonian empire, is this very clear fact. Daniel was present for 66 years through the Babylonian empire, through its rise and its power and its demise and its fall and to the point of when it was conquered. Now that's amazing because Daniel devoted himself, although he had no choice I guess, but he gave himself to be devoted to the Lord for 66 years while he saw the rise and change of political era, the change of kings, the change of rules, the challenges within the empire of Babylon. He saw all those changes. And the one thing about Daniel which should encourage us is that he kept going, he kept believing, he kept saying that as for me, I want to serve God in the middle of that. That's remarkable. Longevity in his ministry of what God has called him. There is something powerful about a Christian who chooses to devote themselves to Christ for the rest of their lives. That has been my prayer throughout my life. Even when life is difficult, even when life is tough, my prayer has been this, Lord, may I finish well to the point of death that I am serving Jesus at that point. Daniel served Babylon, but served the Lord in Babylon for 66 years. What about you and I? Are you going to give up on your faith through difficult times? Am I going to give up on my faith in difficult times? Or am I going to keep going even though it's tough, even though it's a challenge, even though it's hard? I was writing in the paper this week and I was reminded the readers about the time I ran an ultra marathon. And in this ultra marathon, the Black Mountain Marathon in South Wales. It's five peaks, it is intense, and in the middle of this, going up to the top of mountains and down, up to the top and down, I fell over and I passed out. Nobody noticed that I'd passed out, but as a, a, after a while, I got up and I looked around, and I could see the clouds, I felt nauseous, I rolled over like a kind of beach turtle, who'd been put on its back. And as I rolled over, I looked up, I thought, I am not going to be able to finish this race. But I looked and I got up and I thought, okay, I'll just go to that tree. So I got up and I said, I'll just go to that tree, then I'll give up. And I walked 50 meters to a tree on the side of the mountain and I got there and then I decided to keep going. And then I'd go to that rock. And then I'd go to that tree. Then I'd go to that crag. And I was starting to pass people. The 
pain started to disappear. The disorientation lifted and I decided to break it down step by step, bit by bit. I think that's how we get through difficult times. We decide, as for me, January, I'm going to get through January by praying. I'm going to get through January by fasting. I'm going to get through January by serving the Lord. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) I was really disorientated. So let's start. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judea, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So this is around 605 BC when the armies of Babylon came in to what we call kind of Syria-Palestine region as they were moving forward. Remember in 605, the Babylonian general Nebuchadnezzar, the son of the emperor, had defeated the Egyptians and the Assyrians at the battle of Carchemish. And so... We find this moment. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, the king of Judea, into the hands, his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God. Now notice something really interesting about this. You see... In all the other prophets, they talk about the nations, their sinfulness and, and what they do wrong and the prophets call Israel to repentance. But in Daniel, we see a shift and a change. And it's something that goes all the way through Daniel and it's the sovereignty of God over the nations. You see, Nebuchadnezzar believed he was all-powerful. Nebuchadnezzar believed He was the military force and power that has conquered the world. Nebuchadnezzar believed that it was his armies that made the difference and he was the great ordained king to conquer the world. But interesting in this verse too, it uses the Hebrew word to give. And it says this, that God gave Judah to Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, God is in control. God gave Judah. God's the one behind the scene. God is the one at work. And I think as we see the political changes and we see the narrative in the world and we see the unrest and the political changes that that can create fear, that can create anxiety, and we see the capital being stormed and we hear of five deaths and we see all these things taking place. There's a danger that Christians can become fearful. There's a danger that Christians can become full of worry. And the truth is this, is that God is sovereign over the nations. And the point is this, that the word Adonai is used. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim. King of Judea, the Lord, Adonai. It's not Yahweh here, it's Adonai. Well, what difference does that make? It makes this difference because the word Adonai means the Lord, the ownership over all things. So what it's saying is 
that Babylon is attacking and doing these things, but the real owner of the real estate of this planet, the real owner of history, the real owner of all things to do with humanity and its future and its eschatology and what takes place in the world, the real owner is God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the real owner. Now meditate on that, church. Think about that. Now, how did Judah get into this mess? Well, it's quite simple. It goes right the way back to the Pentateuch. And it is what God said to Israel. Very simple. You live a certain way and you will be blessed. You have no other gods before me. You honor me in worship. You live correctly. You keep my commandments and blessing and prosperity will follow you. You take on other gods. You become rebellious. You join with the culture and the world around you and you worship those gods and I will judge you and you will face problems. Even in, it says that you will be exiled and spread throughout the world because of your disobedience because I have called you to live a certain way. So after King Josiah, the sons of Josiah rebelled against God and God chose to come to Judah and use Nebuchadnezzar to punish Judah for their rebellion and their disobedience against God. This is an important point. And this point is this. That if we have a rebellious heart against God and we allow sin to remain within our life and we keep rebelling, resisting, believing in our own pride, believing in our own ability, believing in our own arrogance, then what happens is it creates a spiritual wilderness. It creates a spiritual exile. Because we're not being honest. We're not bringing our weaknesses to God. We're not surrendering, surrendering our lives over to God. And so we notice then that, that Jerusalem is attacked. And therefore, Jerusalem basically becomes what we call a vassal state. A vassal state or a vassal region is a region that lives in fear of the empire that is controlling them. And so they have to pay tribute to that empire. Daniel and his friends were part of that tribute. And notice that they went to the temple and they took certain articles from the temple. Now this is not going to go well when you take certain articles from the temple of God. Why? Well, do you remember that story when the Philistines came and uh, got, the t uh, got the Ark of the Covenant and put it there in front of Dragon, their God? And, and the next morning they found the God face down. They found that, that every time they came back, it kind of freaked them out because the power of, of the Ark of the Covenant uh, affected uh, the statue of Dragon and it ended up on its face, ended up broken and there was the power of God. And this is true, that ultimately every empire and every kingdom 
And every person who believes that they are arrogant towards God will end up on their face before the power and the living God. We can fast forward to, um, to when Belshazzar is toasting with the articles of the temple and drinking wine. And suddenly the finger comes on the wall in chapter 6 and says, look, your days are over. And instantly Darius from the Persian and the Medes came and took over the kingdom. It doesn't go well when you mess with God. And although Nebuchadnezzar's empire will last 66 years. Eventually, it will fall, not because of the Medes and the Persians. It will fall because God is sovereign in the nation's life and God is sovereign in your life and God is sovereign in Daniel's life. And so they realize. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. So as part of the tribute and part of the vessel tax, these young, dynamic, handsome young men were to be trained and they were to be developed They were to go through a three-year process and they were to be schooled in literature, in all the arts of Babylon, in all the knowledge of the world. And believe me, the Babylonian Persian uh, region was full of information, full of writings, full of global knowledge. They had mapped the stars. They had books on medicine. They had books on agriculture. They understood about law. It was complex society of of rules and regulations of how the great Babylonian empire would be. And these young noblemen, these Judeans with their Judean accent would go and learn the language. They would be assimilated. They would be trained. For one reason, they would become puppets of the Babylonian empire. So A, they would be the bureaucrats within the empire or they would go back and rule and control. And that's why they were royal and they were nobles. And kind of Jewish history points that Daniel and his friends were actually descendants from King Hezekiah. So they are part of that whole uh, nobility. Train the nobility. Get them on side believing Babylonian ideas. Program their minds to think like Babylonians. And then we'll send them back and they can be used to control the peasants of Judea. But there's one problem with that plan, to assimilate the nobility into their society. One problem. And what's that problem? God. God's in control. You see, they want Daniel and his friends to become puppets, but they can't become puppets when the real person that is pulling the strings is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so they wanted families of nobility. The young men without any physical defects, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. 
they were to be submerged in all the arts and the literature of the Babylonians so that they could serve them. But the beautiful story about Daniel, the beautiful story about Daniel and and his friends is that they were not willing to submit themselves to the will of Nebuchadnezzar. They were willing only to submit themselves to God's voice. And the Hebrew, and interestingly, Daniel is bilingual. It was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. There's only two, bu- uh, two books in the Old Testament that were written in uh, Aramaic and Hebrew. That's Daniel and also Ezra, by the way. Just a little bit of uh, history for you there. Notice the word, the young men without any physical defect. Obviously, they were handsome. Handsome people get on, apparently. There was a Harvard research paper that wrote about that good-looking, handsome people tend to get better jobs and better pay than other people. I found that really depressing. You know, really depressing. But it's the way human beings are. But when you really look at the Hebrew, you notice the young men without any physical defects. The Hebrew word physical defects... It's the same word used in Leviticus 21 multiple times and Leviticus 24 about the kind of sacrifice that should be brought to the Lord. In other words, perfect. Perfect. And I love this play in the Hebrew of the words that Daniel and his friends were a perfect sacrifice to be used by God in the middle of that problem. That rather than viewing them as puppets being trained by the evil empire to become their minions and become their puppets, the word in the Hebrew says they were, had no physical defects. They were like perfect offerings to the Lord. <clears throat> You and I face problems. You and I face challenges in this world, in this culture, and the difficulties that we face. The question I have for you to consider from the scripture is, are you living a life of a perfect sacrifice to the Lord? Are you giving your days to the Lord? Are you offering your heart to the Lord? Are you a living sacrifice, as Romans 12 verse 2 says? Are you dealing with the problem of sin in your life? Are you keeping a short account with God? Are you allowing the Lord to deal with your mess and your problems so that when you come into your world, into your Babylon, into this world, are you saying, as for me, I am an offering given over to God? Because men and women that are given over to God 100%, those men and women change the world. Those men and women change the spiritual atmosphere. Those men and women bring down the prayers. Those men and women experience as Daniel experienced the wisdom of God. Daniel, in the middle of all this, was able to carve out a way 
to know the intimacy and the presence and the wisdom of God in Babylon. And I can tell you this, that with the shifting, changing Western culture, we can be wise, we can seek God, we can be a prayerful people, and we can be a living offering to God that God will use me and God will use you in this world and he'll use us to do remarkable things. But are you willing And the king assigned them daily amounts of food, wine, the king's table. And they were trained for three years. And after that, they were entered the king's service. And among those who were chosen were some from Judea, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These were the Jewish names given to them. And the chief officials gave them new names. So they not only assimilated them, but they took away their name and their identity. And of course, names meant everything in the ancient world. And the names that they replaced them with were names of the gods of that city of Babylon. They were given names that described the deities, the function of the Babylonian gods. So not only did they grab them from Judah, Not only did they assimilate them in the literature and the ideas, not only did they train them in magic and the arts and the kind of astrology, which incorporated things like not simply reading tea leaves or looking at at signs in the sky. They used to open up sheep uh, innards and, and, and get the liver out. And they used to gather around and they used to read the innards of animals to decide what gods were saying and how gods were working. I mean, this was vile, dark, mysterious, cultic engagement. They took away their names. They made them look at dead animals. They made them discern spiritual things. They were in a cauldron of darkness and fake uh, truth in a, in a fake environment of spirituality which was driven by demonic and driven by lies and driven by the occult. But just because they were in the middle of the occult did not mean that they lost their true identity with God. They held on to God. They stopped there. They were willing, even though they were renamed and, and given these, these new names. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself this way. So where were we at? Well, we realize that God brought about the exile of Judah. And we learn from the first verses that God is sovereign over empires and will use empires to do his will. That he's the one that owns the planet. We realize that Daniel and his three friends, they, were, they modeled something unique about that God is in control even though you may be in the darkest of situations. They modeled faith. Not only did they model faith, but they modeled prosperity. Remarkably, Daniel prospered 
in Babylon. He had problems and difficulties, but he prospered and found a level of flourishing and prosperity within Babylon. And I want to encourage you that when you put God first, that when you're a living sacrifice for him, that when you're seeking the wisdom of God and God's daily voice within your life, God will be with you. And I really do believe that God will prosper you when you put God first. When you create space for God. When you say, yes, I'm here amongst these these sheep innards of culture. And I'm looking at these, these, these animals split in half. I've got to read all of the signs and, and be part of this stuff. But in my heart of hearts, they've renamed me. But they can never take away the fact that I'm a chosen child of God. I, Daniel. I, Hananiah. I, Mishael. I, Azariah. We together. We are together here. And even though they are precious us, we will stand for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love it. Anoi, Lord God Almighty, Adonai, I will serve Adonai because he's the one who's got ownership of the planet. Powerful images should drive us to be prayerful. Now, there is some debate over the food issue. Because Amos and Hosea teaches that nobody can actually fulfill kosher while being in a foreign land. So often people say, well, why did he make such a big deal about the food and not to defile himself? You see, the food would have been taken and it would have been sacrificed to idols. And I'm not suggesting for one moment that the meat was sacrificed to idols, the wine was sacrificed to idols, and the vegetables were not sacrificed to the idols. That's nonsense. Somehow, in the middle of this, Daniel decided to create space where God could work in his life. And the way that he created space was through food. Rather than partaking of the excess of Babylon, the wine, the many meats, the sacrificed lambs and goats and the glorious curries, he chose in one area where he could have control, he chose food, where he wanted to defile Devote himself to God and say, as for me, I want to set myself apart and I want to create space where God can do something remarkable. And I wonder within our own lives is that are we creating that space or something where God will be at work? In our lives. Now, God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion. To Daniel. In the Hebrew, we read again that God had caused the officials. In the NIV, the words the word used the word cause had given actually. It's the same word given. So we notice again that 
that in verse 9, we have the same Hebrew word from verse 1. God gave Jehoiakim to Nebuchadnezzar. And here we see God gave the official to show favor. All the way through chapter 1, there are three moments when the word, Hebrew word, gave is, is used. And it's strategic. It is given in verse 1, it's given in verse 9, and it's given in verse 17. God gave, God gave, God gave, when you read the Hebrew. And I want you to understand this, that when you live a life devoted to God, God gives. When you live a life that is holy and set apart, God gives. When you choose to make sacrifices, whether it's food, prayer and fasting, or whether you choose to live in a different rhythm, God gives. God is there. And in this case, God gave favor. You see, the amount that you and I invest in our relationship with God brings back blessing and God gives to us. I'm not talking about financial blessing, although that can be a part of it. I'm talking about a glorious blessing of the soul where God gives, God gives, God gives. Are you living in that place in Babylon? Are you singing the song of the Lord? Are you living in this world, but you are set apart and you know who's sovereign? You know who's in control? You know who gives good things? You know where wisdom comes from? You know what devotion is all about? Are you willing to be a Daniel living in this culture? And so God caused the official to... But the officials told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, of what will happen. He'll have my head off. And Daniel then said to the God, test this. Let's do this. So Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael and Azariah, they tested this for 10 days. And after 10 days, they looked awesome, just on vegetables uh, to eat and water to drink. And maybe that's what you and I should do for 21 days. I don't know. But they created this simplicity and this space for God to work. And then compared our appearance with the other young Men who ate the raw food and treated your servants accordance with what you see. As a result, we see that so he agreed and this tested for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the raw food. That act of spiritual devotion was a powerful move in their spiritual life and their prosperity and their blessing. And they modeled something unique and remarkable. It was remarkable. And when you look forward and you see that then they, they um, verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. You notice the word gave again. God gave. And what did he give this time? He gave 
them the ability to succeed. And in fact, when Nebuchadnezzar met them and tested them and spoke to them, it says they were 10 times better than all the other students. After three years of vegetables and water, of which the God probably enjoyed the meat and the wine, after three years of vegetables and water, they came out with God's blessing that they were 10 times better. And as a result, we see Daniel and his companions being an incarnation of wisdom. I love that phrase, incarnation of wisdom. They were able to navigate the difficulties of a mighty empire like Babylon. How? Well, by keeping God first in their hearts. How? By not defiling themselves and creating a space, they did this through food, where they acknowledged that they needed God's miraculous power in their life. How? Well, through learning to understand God, it seems, and speak the right words at the right time in the right way. And as we look at this as a result, Daniel was able to spend 66 years until Cyrus fulfilling his marketplace ministry by being a man of devotion, a man of wisdom, a man of right words, a man that understood that every good gift comes from God. If only we would live our lives like this. If only we would realize that the more we consecrate ourselves to God and spend time in God's presence in prayer, it produces a fruit that changes our lives and changes the world around us. And a praying people, a devoted people, a people that are stepped out for God will always change the world. I'm running out of time. I preached for 42 minutes. (laughs) I guess if you're still with me, I thank you for that. But jump forward to the New Testament and I will show you three scriptures to bring this together. First of all, they are not of the world even as I am not of it. Jesus prayed and taught us to realize that we are not of this world. And I think Daniel got that. I think they understood it. They understood that when we look at the challenges of life, we realize that this isn't our home, we're just passing through. And we're like a boat on the water. We're not in the water, we're floating on top of it. And our role is to be a people devoted to Jesus Christ, who is wisdom itself. And the Spirit of God gives us discernment. I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Isn't this the story of Daniel? Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. You and I, we need to be wise. In culture today, we'll be talking a lot more about this. We need to be shrewd. We need to be innocent. This is exactly what Jesus taught and is exactly what Daniel did. 
with his three companions. And let me remind you, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we are eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you understand God is sovereign. He gives. He gives us all things. And he gives us his blessing. He gives us favor. He gives us abilities to do things in our life. So as we step forward, live a life devoted to Christ in the craziness of culture and be wise and allow the Spirit of God to use you. Well, bless you. We've digged deep and dived long and I know that the Lord will will speak to you through this chapter in so many different ways. Father, I pray now that as we finish that we may become that people that are devoted to you that are shrewd and wise, that allow the Lord to mold us and shape us. And in 21 days of prayer, may we find a way to carve out space through food and time so that we can come close and intimately engage with you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening and see you next week for chapter two things start to literally hot up.